Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Wednesday, December 11th, and things are happening. The coaching carousel in full effect. The college football playoff is locked. Bowl games are set. Recruiting signing day is almost here. But Pat, more importantly, we are officially a basketball school. How does that make you feel? That's pretty exciting. Number Taking down number four in the country, especially rebounding after a Bad loss to Ohio State. Um, I think you'd see like a lot of times and maybe in the past at Penn State, but most programs after a loss like that would not bounce back against a number four team in the country. And yet, uh, you know, it got, got a little nerve wracking at the end, but a resounding win. Yeah, man, it was it was cool. And I'll, I'll say like as much as I joke, um, we are a football podcast. Pat, if you're new here, my name is Chris, joined by my co-host Pat. I normally say that in the beginning. Um, we are a primarily football podcast. Pat is our wrestling expert, gives us some wrestling update here and there. But outside of that, I don't I like I'll always support all Penn State athletics, but I don't really watch a whole lot of them. Um, this is a cool moment to be a part of, though. You've seen if you follow on Twitter. A lot of the Penn State accounts, uh, Penn State basketball, um, having a pretty good year early on. Uh, they had that you know crushing loss to Ohio State where they got really, really beat and then come out and beat the number four team, Maryland. Um, really, really cool to see. Very exciting. Uh, Twitter was a lot of fun to watch last night. Um, I got roasted by DraftKings Twitter account. Did you see that? No. Yeah, so... Uh, so <laughs> There was, there was a lot of debate because the, the students stormed the court, um, which I thought was really cool. So let, let's start there. What's your opinion? Yeah, as well, they should. They just beat the number four team in the country. Exactly. I, there's one thing I don't understand. Uh-huh. How was Penn State favored in this game? <laughs> Great segue. Great segue. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I thought there was like an error. No, Penn, but, State, uh, Penn State was a one-point favorite in this game. And, and I think that goes to show like the difference between rankings versus like what Vegas thinks. Vegas is always right, man. They're always right. They're always close. So we were a one-point favorite. Um, and we've, been, we've been like cracking, uh, not cracking, but close to cracking the top 25. You know how they do like... Uh, yeah, we had one bad loss against Old Miss that was like gut-wrenching. I remember lost that by one. two points. Yep. And then lost badly to Ohio State. But other than that, you know, the schedule hasn't been super strong, but you, if you, like when we were in school, if you told us that we were going to beat Syracuse by 20... They all would have called you crazy. Yes, yes, literally. Like, we historically have not been good at basketball, and, and getting, like, a good win or two here or there is typically the highlight. Um, but this year, they are, like, the, the, the top 25. They give you the top 25, and then underneath, they say, like, other schools receiving votes. We've been there uh, recently, so, yeah. like, we're going to crack the top 25. A lot of the college After basketball experts are saying, uh, you know, this will be the year we actually go to the big dance, which is cool. Um but yeah, so last night there was a lot of buzz, um, mostly stemming from uh, Ohio State Twitter. Uh, Barstool Ohio State was like, Penn State fans were giving us shit for storming the football field after beating them, but now they're storming the basketball court after being a one-point favorite? Hmm. And, we're, and everyone's like, well, you're an idiot. You were a 19-point favorite in the number one team in college football, and you stormed. Yeah. This is an unranked team against number four. Like, clearly, I mean, I don't think we need to debate this. It was very cool that they stormed. Very okay with it. So DraftKings Twitter posed that question. They said, hey, Penn State was a, a one-point favorite in this game. Should they have stormed the court? And I wrote back, I was like, unranked versus number four. I'm okay with it. And then I thought for a minute. And I was like, that's kind of undersell- underselling it. So I deleted the original tweet, wrote back, unranked versus number four. I'm very okay with it. Added a very for a little emphasis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. 
So they hit me with a screenshot of my original response and said, which one is it? <laughs> whoever, That's pretty good. Whoever runs DraftKings social media, that was pretty good. Uh, if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, we'd love to have you on here. Um, yeah, I laughed. I thought it was very funny. But but all in all, shout out to Penn State men's basketball. Uh, hashtag climb with us. They're doing some cool things, and, and it's exciting to see. Yeah, I mean, everyone should be out watching every single one of these home games, man. This is a this is a fun team to watch. Lamar Stevens is next level, man. But this is just a team that plays well together. Um, they play hard all the time. Uh, like Maryland, you know, I haven't watched. This is the first game of Maryland's I've watched this season, but they seem like a really talented team that gets kind of selfish at times, doesn't like move the ball as well as they should. Uh, admittedly, I don't know a lot about basketball, but Penn State <laughs> is almost like exactly the opposite. They're not the most talented. Don't get me wrong, there's talent on that team, mm-hmm. but they're not like one of the most talented teams in the country, but they play like a team, man, and yeah. it's fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago we saw you know, some flashes at Tony Carr, and then he went to the NBA early. We were all hoping he was going to stay another year to see kind of like what that would all do. Um, I think Lamar Stevens had the option to go after last year and decided to come I back. I think he and, checked it out and came back. I mean, which by the way, I think it's awesome how college basketball does that. Oh yeah. How you're allowed to like, I, I don't know if it, if they officially declare, but they open themselves up for the draft mm-hmm. and then you can come back. I wish college football would do that. Yeah. It's, I think the rule in college basketball is like, until you sign with an agent, you can change your decision kind of thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it was obviously a great decision for Lamar Stevens coming back. He's a hell of a player. I know him and I know Mike Watkins. The other ones, like I see the names on Twitter, but I wouldn't be able to pick them out like of a random group of pictures if you showed them to me. Um, but here nor there, I'm going to start watching some more. Shout out to men's basketball. Very, very cool. And uh, shout out to all the other sports um, at Penn State. We're, we're inclusive here. Uh, but we are here to talk football. Um, championship weekend is done. College football playoff is set. Uh, typically, if you're a new listener to the show, typically we start with some quick hitters. Um, over the last probably six or seven weeks, those quick hitters have not been so quick. They've been longer and longer and longer. So you know what? We're not even going to start hitters, with quick baby. hitters. We're, we're going to do hitters. We're going to do some topics. We're going to do some slow burns. And the most important one, Coach James Franklin, inks an extension through 2025. We told you, people. We told you. Pat, instant thoughts. Oh, uh, incredible decision. I mean, this was the right move. This is one of the best eras in the modern history of Penn State. Like since post us winning national championships, this is up there with the best eras of Penn State football. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one that we take for granted. Definitely, you and I have been vocally James Franklin supporters. Um, there's a lot of James Franklin haters out there, and which, by the way, that was 40 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There's James Franklin haters out there, and I'll say, like, if if you look at it objectively, like, I can see where they're coming from, and where they're coming from is that they're idiots. Like, I can see that yeah. point. Like, they just they don't understand. They don't see the big picture. They're they need the instant gratification, and I, like that's the world we live in, right? Of course. Yeah, we'd love to be winning all the big games that we've lost too. Yes, that would be nice. We'd love to have won national championship right now. That would be nice. Those things haven't happened, but Franklin has done a lot for this program, taken us in an incredibly positive direction after everything that happened at the school, uh, and put us in a position where we should be, and quite frankly, will be 
competing for the playoff for the next couple of years. Like we're, we're in that position with the talent that he's been able to recruit. Um, and, and really it's just about, you know, executing at this point. And he's been vocal about that. So I think it's absolutely the right call. Uh, the one thing I will say that, um, made me, I wouldn't say dislike, but my, my love for James Franklin went down by 0.01%. He used the goddamn notes app to announce this. I had a heart attack when I saw that on Twitter. If you are familiar with the recruiting world, typically when a high school kid puts up a screenshot of a notes app, it is that he is decommitting, he is transferring, something bad has happened. So when I see Franklin throw that up, I'm like reading it as fast as I can, skimming through, and he's like thankful for my time at Penn State. I'm like, oh God, is he leaving? What's happening? And then he's like, I can't wait to continue this. And yeah, Jimmy Franks. He, I'm he's surprised they didn't bit. put out like a graphic for him. Yeah, very weird. Like we, we have a pretty high-class athletic department. Not in my graphics department. We've seen some good stuff. Like, make a formal release here. So um, They did it for all the kids who were not leaving for the NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Like, those were more detailed and, and nicely done than James Franklin's extension. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a six-year extension through 2025. The terms are not released yet. Um, what we expect or what we should expect, though, is – You'll see an increase in salary. I mean, you'll see some bump for him, but really what we need to see and what we hope to see is increase for the assistant coaches, upgrades in facilities, all that good stuff that leads to building a program, not just the head coach. Absolutely, and he's been vocal about doing that for the past few years, so mm-hmm. I'm guessing that has been part of the package he got. Yeah. You know, I, I no no use of unlimited use of a private jet like <laughs> college football dynamo. Greg Schiano and Rutgers. That's your boy. That's your boy right there. What can there. you do? Um, he, Dude, that's going to go down as such a garbage hire, I'm telling you. I, we will keep coming back to that. Uh, put that in old takes. Exposed. Best case scenario, Rutgers be- becomes a four-win team. So what, doubling their current win total? Like That's win, baby. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, Franklin talked about this, um, or actually Sandy Barber talked about this. I don't remember if it was before last season, maybe a year and a half ago. I don't remember when it was, but they were doing – not a contract like negotiation uh, or extension for Franklin, but there was something about budgets and they talked about uh, money for assistant coaches and facilities. And I remember the quote from Sandy Barber was, James gave me a number and I gave it to him. So like they've done incremental increases historically, um, but when you sign on like this for a six year extension, um, I, I didn't dial into the conference call, but apparently there was a conference call where you could like listen into this. Apparently they like, unanimously voted on it approved it and like the guy i guess the guy ended like go get him james like the support is there we need to put that on a t-shirt by the way go get him james um when you invest that heavily like again it's more than just the head coach it's about the program building up the program and, and we'll get to assistance here in a second but it's important to be able to build out a full coaching staff a full program that entices recruits so i mean i think it's super important too for recruiting um knowing that franklin's there through you know, your entire college career if you're a high school kid right now. That's important, the way coaches flip and move around these days. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're unhappy with the signing, you just, I'm sorry, you're an unintelligent football fan. Yeah, there is that one dude on Twitter who keeps changing his name to insert coach's name here to PSU, who just is miserable. Yeah, it was Matt Rule, right? Yeah, it was Matt Rule, and then it was someone else. I think now it's Joe Brady to PSU, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but very happy for James Franklin. <laughs> very happy for James Franklin. Very happy for his family, and very happy for the Penn State program. I think this is a huge win. Um, moving on, coaching carousel. Ricky Ronnie becomes the head coach of Old Dominion. 
We have talked at length about Ricky Ronnie this season. You and I differ on opinions a little bit, but uh, what's your what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I mean, I this is probably a best case scenario for Penn State because um, the thing is, you can't reasonably fire a guy who's put up the numbers that Ricky Ronnie's offenses have. But there's been obvious, and like, I'm a way bigger supporter of him than I think that like 99 percent of Penn State fans. You are. Because of the numbers that his offense has put up, like the proof is in the pudding, if you ask me. But there's been like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I've never been frustrated with the play calling. Of course, I have been. There's been bad plays. There's been difficulty closing out games. There's been above all problems with consistency. Um, and like, so let's be honest. If you fire a guy who has put up the numbers he has, who's going to want to come be your offensive coordinator? And like, not a lot of guys. Yep. Job security doesn't look phenomenal. And so now we've got a guy, he moves on amicably from the program, makes us look good, not only because we didn't fire him, but because he got a head coaching job. You know, that's that's what offensive coordinators want in the long run. So this is a – and then we have a chance to maybe go out and, you know, take that next step that we haven't made yet in being an elite offense. Yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on. And, and it is funny for, for listeners of the show, you've heard Pat and I – uh, argue a bit over the last couple of weeks about Ricky Ronnie. And again, for me, it's never been personal. I am sure he is a fantastic man. And I actually like the guy. Like we, we got to see him in uh, that HBO special, like got to see more of his, his character, his personality. Like I like him a lot. There was a lot of praise from former players, from from current players. Uh, Gesicki was tweeting about him. Trace was tweeting about him. Like you can- I thoroughly believe he's a way better offense coordinator than a lot of fans give him credit yeah, for. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay saying that. Like I, I, again, I'm not an expert, so I'm not saying I know better than he does, but I think it was very clear that we were, I mean, stagnant's maybe not the right word to use because it was two years, like how long do you give before he gets into his groove, but we were we were kind of plateaued at like, okay, we, we see what he can do, we see where his gaps are and where he needs to get better, and as a fan base who's clamoring for playoff and national title, it was kind of like a, I don't know if we have time to wait for him to get there. Right, like he's a he's a he's an above average offensive coordinator. You can say that. Is he elite? Is he great? Is he gonna take us to that next level? I think more than anything, it was uncertainty. Right, like, and I, I tweeted this out. Like, there's two scenarios in my mind. He comes back next year, and I didn't have enough characters to fit this in the tweet, so I'll give the whole thing now. <laughs> he comes back next year. Best case scenario is he improves tremendously. We become an elite offense and we take the next step and we go to the playoff. Awesome. Probably the least likely. Second scenario is he comes back and he has mixed results again. Maybe he gets a little bit better, but we still struggle with some consistency, struggle with late game things, whatever. And we miss the playoff again. And now you have a whole nother year of frustration. That's not a great look, especially for Franklin after signing a long extension when you're trying to push for eliteness. Um, Third situation is this, is is he moves on, like you said, to a head coaching role, albeit at a lower level school, still a head coaching position, um, does so amicably. This seemed to me like a soft push. Like internally, there were some of those conversations with Franklin and Ronnie of, hey, like, how do we go about this? How do we, how do we take this next step? Um, you know, and maybe that conversation was, listen, you know, maybe you're not the right guy for the offensive coordinator position right now. I think you're right. He was never going to outright fire him, but maybe there was a conversation of like putting a co-offensive coordinator in there, or you know, making him uh, the something else, other title. I don't know. And you look at it at the end of the day, 
head coach at any school, Old Dominion, I don't care where you are, that's a pretty good opportunity for him and his and his coaching career. So I think it's the right move. I think maybe that's how it happened in the back channels of their conversations of like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, like this is a really good opportunity. You should take it. Um, but I'm happy for him, man. I'm, I'm happy for him too. Like as much as I've given him shit this year, as much as I've talked trash on him, it's almost like, uh, what do they call it? Like relationship goggles. Like relationships really bad, you know you need to break up, but then you're when you're about to break up, you get those like I will remember yeah. you. You know? You remember when we put up, you know, seventy nine points against yeah. Idaho. Yeah, like I like <laughs> I like the guy, but I think this is the best case scenario for Penn State football and that's what I am invested in. I'm here for Penn State football and I want to see the best of the best. So I, I wish Ricky and his family the absolute best. Uh, I hope he crushes his old dominion. And I, I think like I think he's going to get better there. He's he's gonna either continue calling plays and getting better at that, or he'll find his niche as more of a CEO type and get himself a good offensive coordinator. Who knows? So either way, happy for him. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got on Ricky Ronnie. Anything? Any other thoughts on him? No, not really. Um, there was a good article I would say uh, for those of you that are subscribed to the Athletic. If you're not, check it out. Not a promo, but. If they want to sponsor us, they can too. Um, in his opening presser, he answered a lot of questions. And, uh, uh, you know, one of them was, uh, when did you change your mind? Because you've always said you never wanted to be a head coach. Like that was, I think Franklin, I don't know, a couple of years ago, called him a unicorn. That he was like a rising star in the coaching ranks, but never wanted to be a head coach. So it was like perfect candidate for offensive coordinator. Um, and he said like last summer is, is when he started thinking about it and thinking about his future and, and what he could do. Um and in the article talks a lot about how supportive Franklin was. Um, Franklin like talked to the Old Dominion um, was the athletic director, um, told him how ready Ronnie was, told him that uh, he said he would have the Old Dominion and Penn State coaching staffs do professional development together. They would do camps together. And the, the athletic director said, if anything, we might become a Penn State South with the relationship that he intends to maintain with Coach Ronnie. That gave us some comfort too. So like clearly, I mean – Two things there. Franklin is the guy that he says he is. Like, he'll be as supportive as possible. And two, it's like, yeah, it, it shows a little bit of maybe this is the right time and this is the right move for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it never hurts to have, you know, another school that you do camps and practices with. Yeah. Even if they're, you know, they're not on the same level as Penn State, but they're, you know, they're live players that you're playing against, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, last things from that article, actually, we did get some clarity. Ricky Ronnie will not be coaching in our bowl game. Um, there was a question about that, and he said, you know, he, him and Franklin talked about it or, or maybe didn't have to talk about it because they knew how both would approach it. You know, he's completely focused on Old Dominion right now, wanting to go 1-0 this week with them, wants Penn State to go 1-0 this week. So, um, is, is, I mean, they're not in a bowl game. I did. I, just the mentality of, like, wanting to be fully focused on them. <laughs> I, I, this is one thing I don't understand. i got to be honest with you. Uh -huh. First of all, why no coaches are like, yes, I'd love to take this job, but can we announce it after the bowl game? Like, yeah. I don't, I've never understood why, like, all this has to happen in between the season ending and bowl games. Like, it's it's three weeks. <laughs> Just <laughs> let the guys finish their coaching. And then even when they do take the job, why guys don't coach the last game? Like, yeah. it's not like they're losing and they're going to go coach that other team this week. I mean, I think it depends, right? It's like, uh, I mean, for the bigger, like Old Dominion, I'm not quite sure, honestly. Um, for the bigger name schools, like coaching carousels in big time effect right now, you know, uh, was it 
Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss. Uh, uh, Mike Norville from, from Memphis went to, to Florida State. Uh, Willie Taggart just got hired. He was to sign them early. But again, I, I've never understood why none of the coaches are like, yes, I will sign this contract, but can we not make it public till after the bowl game? I think I think the biggest well, factor is recruiting. Public, why they don't just coach their last game? I think the biggest factor is recruiting, right? And we'll get into recruiting oh, yeah, in a little yeah, bit here. Sense. Like there, there are classes that are going to be signed in the next three weeks. So like, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. You want those that. kids to know that you have a face of your program. Um, I imagine maybe there's some like financial pieces of it. Like, hey, like let's get this locked down because if you sign it and don't announce it, then things get tricky. And you know who's going back on the deal? I don't know. Um, and then I think it's about just, you know, the clean break. Like, there, there are plenty of coaches who coach in their last game. I think you see it more with coordinators than head coaches. Like, uh, we'll get to the bowl game later, but um, Mike Norville, who's the Memphis head coach, going on to Florida State, he's not coaching Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Like, he's going to be a head coach somewhere else. That would be kind of weird. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just that time of year where, like, it's a frenzy, and, like, these guys have short lists of candidates that they need to lock in and announce and keep their boosters and their alumni and their, you know, their board happy. So I think it's just one of those things that it's, it's kind of always been that way and it'll probably just always be that way. Yeah, I guess. Um, but that being said, Ricky Ronnie moving on, uh, calling plays for the bowl game. They haven't announced anything yet. Um, we have a couple guys on the staff that have been offensive coordinators before. Uh, Matt Limegrover was an offensive coordinator uh, and Tyler Bowen was an offensive coordinator. So it wouldn't shock me if you see one of those guys calling plays for this game, which will be kind of cool. Um, but more importantly, we have an opening for offensive coordinator. Um, this is now the second time, third time, uh, that Franklin is making this change. So if you remember when we started, there's John Donovan, who, if we are comparing offensive coordinators, I would take Ricky Ronnie 100 times over 100 over John Donovan. Uh, he was released after two years, brought in Joe Moorhead, which everyone uh, can agree was a slam dunk hire. Two years, he left to become the head coach down at Mississippi State, promoted Ricky Ronnie. Two years, goes to Old Dominion. We have another opening. So there's a theme here every two years. But uh, hopefully this next hire is, is a little bit of a lengthier one. What are your general thoughts on what needs to happen, what has to happen for this to be a successful hire. We'll get into specific names in a little bit, but like what's what's the keys to victory here, if you will? Honestly, one thing I'd I'd love to see out of a an offensive coordinator is a guy who can create an offense that when we're not hitting big plays, we can still hit manageable plays. You know? Yeah. That's that's been our biggest weakness is when the big play isn't working, neither are the man like we have nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really been a kind of well-oiled machine offense, even under Jomo, like the, yeah, there were flashes of it, but we had a whole lot of home runs in that offense too. So, yeah. and the home runs are great. I love them, but if you're not hitting them, you got to be able to hit a six-yard pass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I think the the biggest thing for me is this cannot be an internal hire. It has to come externally. There are blogs and different articles out there that they always they're they're listing Tyler Bowen and and Lime Grover. Some are even listing Jaywan Sider. Listen, love all of you guys. Love you as part of our staff. Can't have you as our, our offensive coordinator. We just did that experiment. We did it for two years. And arguably, Ricky Ronnie had higher praise than all of those guys. Hope you develop in the future. Can't be right now. This has to have to has to be external. I agree um, with you on that. Secondly, for me... The case scenario is it's only kind of external. 
Very true. We will get to that gentleman in just a minute here. Uh, if you're, if, I mean, if you have a pulse and follow Penn State, you know we're talking about Joe Brady. Um, second thing for me, though, and this this will be a little counterintuitive to, or counter counteractive, counter. It's just a counterpoint. I don't know what word I'm trying to go for here. Counter to that, um, I want someone who has experience calling plays. Man, I want an experienced offensive coordinator. Uh, there's a lot of people on the short list or the hot list, rather, that are quarterbacks coaches or passing game coordinators or rising through the ranks of like offensive different position coaches. Those are always going to be a gamble, man. Those are always going to be a gamble. And we'll talk about it with Brady because as, as highly coveted as he is and as much as I'm okay with, or I'm sorry, I'm very okay with Joe Brady, um, I want someone who called plays. Like we saw that with Ricky Ronnie. He was... He was good in flashes, but you could tell that the inexperience factored in at times. Like, I, I want someone who who has called plays before. Um, and then, lastly, the thing that we're going to have to do is probably probably shell out a good amount of money. Um, so before we get into uh, before we get into the actual list of names, how familiar are, are you with college football assistant coach salaries? Fucking, I don't know anything. I think they make around a million dollars at big schools. Same, same. So I, I have not done a whole lot of research on this until prepping for this episode because there's been a lot of conversation around how much guys need to get paid, how much should they get paid. Um, I'll, I'll put this, I know uh, the offense coordinator from Minnesota makes less than a million dollars a year. This is true, um, I think. Uh, I have the list here. But here's what I learned through my search. First and foremost, Penn State does not make their assistant coach salaries public. Almost all of these other schools, all the other big schools I can find a lot on, USA Today publishes a pretty good comprehensive list. Penn State's not on there. The only one that's on there is Brent Pry, and I've seen his rumored on a couple different places and, and on here is around 800000 You'd have to imagine Ricky was probably less than that as a first-time offensive coordinator. He was probably in the 600000 range. Um, his new gig at Old Dominion will pay him 750 as a base. I'm sure he'll have some bonus incentives as well, so kudos on him for going to make some money. Um, but yeah, learned a lot about coordinators here. Let's take, let's take a look at some notes. Uh, we're going to play some trivia. I didn't actually put these in the notes because I wanted you to actually guess them. Oh, boy. How many assistants in the, in the nation make over... Let's rephrase. How many make $1 million or more per season? assistant coaches i would say maybe 35 it's actually a pretty good guess that's not that far off it's 24 24 okay yeah so you got to think really the guys that are making a million plus are going to be your coordinators right a position a position coach is probably not there unless you're like him offensive defensive coordinator exactly yeah your special teams guy's probably not there either sorry joe lorig um, so there's 24 that are making a million or more. What do you think the breakdown between offense and defense of those 24 are? I would say 18 of them are offense. Seven of them are offense. Really? Isn't that surprising? Yeah. I was going, yeah. I was going through the list. I, cause I, I thought the same thing. Like this is an offensive world we live in. Everybody wants to be. You know, spread offense, put up 80 points a game. Like, I thought that was crazy. Most of these guys, 17 of them, are defensive coordinators. Um, I mean, so there's. You know what? I bet defensive coordinators stick around longer. Ooh, yeah, that's that might actually be a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, Brent Pry's been with us forever. Yeah, some of the, and some of the names on here you'll recognize. Like, I don't remember. I don't 
recognize all of them. Um, but the top guy is Dave Dave Aranda, Aranda, defense coordinator at LSU. He makes two and a half million a year. It's insane. Ooh, Dave, swim, That's swimming in it. Insane. Uh, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator at Clemson, makes two point two. Mike Iko at Texas A&M makes two point one. And then you got a bunch of the guys in the ones. Those are the only three that make above two. Um, of the offensive coaches who make a million or more, you got Steve Sarkeesian at Bama, Jim Chaney at Tennessee. You're paying a guy a million dollars more and you're Tennessee. That's bad. Um, Josh Gaddis at Michigan is making over a million. So good moves for him. Uh, Kendall Bryles at FSU. Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott, who are co-offensive coordinators at Clemson, were both making a million. Um, Jeff Scott has now moved on to be the coach somewhere in Florida. can't remember exactly where, um, but he's a head coach somewhere. And then uh, McClendon from South Carolina. So, Not LSU's offensive coordinator? Not LSU's offensive coordinator. He's at like 800000 um, Very interesting. Very interesting. So basically what I'm saying with all of this is like the top guys in the game are getting paid. Yes, yes, defensive coordinators are prominent over offensive coordinators once you hit that $1 million mark. But every year you move on, that you know that goalpost moves, right? More and more guys are going to be getting a million. More and more guys are going to get paid for the talent that they bring. Uh, and Penn State's going to have to do it, man. So let's move into the list of names. And really, there's one name to talk about that people will not shut up about, and it is Joe Brady. If you listen to the show, you heard me talk about him. Was it last week? Two weeks ago, maybe? At some point. At some point, um, I brought up the name when we were talking about offensive coordinators. I said, where could we find a guy like Joe Brady? And the joke was that he was actually a grad assistant at Penn State. So uh, for those of you, again, that maybe live under a rock and don't follow along, Joe Brady is currently uh, the wide receivers coach slash slash passing game coordinator at LSU. He is largely credited with the success of Joe Burrow and that offense that has been absolutely electric this year. They have like three wide receivers that are all insane. Um, Before that, spent two years with the Saints in the NFL as an offensive assistant or offensive analyst. I don't don't know exactly what OA stands for. Um, And then for two years before that, he was at Penn State as a grad assistant. He is currently the hottest name in coaching. Um, He just won the Broyles Award or Broyles Trophy, which is given to the top uh, top assistant coach in the nation. Like any assistant, any coordinator, any position coach, and he won that, and he's not even a coordinator yet. Kind of crazy. So let's start there. Where, what do you know about Joe Brady? What do you think about him? Where's, where's your head at on Joe Brady? Listen, I know you want a guy who's got experience calling plays, but I think Joe Brady would be like the number one hire for us. I know it's going to be tough because uh, LSU is supposed to offer him over a million dollars, which would be more than their current offensive coordinator. Uh, honestly, I, you know, I could see Penn State – upping that offer and they'd giving him the one thing that LSU can't, which is an offensive coordinator position. Uh, this would be great because, you know, the passing game coordinator, we need more consistency in our passing game. And he's a wide receivers coach with proven success with three great wide receivers at LSU. That's one thing Penn state hasn't had in a few years is like two really good options at wide receiver. Like since Chris Godwin and Deshaun Hamilton were both on the field at the same time have, you know, being able to have Pat Frymuth, KJ, hopefully KJ Hamler, and then another legitimate, consistent option. Uh, hasn't it, It's been a Jahan Dotson at times, but hasn't been there enough. Uh, the other, the one thing I'm hearing about Joe Brady is going to be tough is apparently Texas is prepared to 
like just throw the absolute house at this guy to get oh, him. Jeez, Nick, let's start before I even dive into like the the notes and everything. Could you imagine being this guy right now? You're what is he? I think he's like thirty years old, so he's like my age, a year older, and he's about to just get a shit ton of money and basically any job he wants. Literally, he could go be an offensive coordinator at any school in the country, and they would likely offer him a million plus. Um, pretty awesome, Joe Brady. Call it, brother. I could use some money for my student loans. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. So right now he's at four hundred thousand dollars. LSU, the rumors are they are going to offer him $1.5 million to keep him, which is crazy because either they would be paying him that at his current position, which would make no sense. I don't see them doing that. Or they would promote him likely to co-offensive coordinator. And some schools do this. Like I said, Clemson had two of them. Um, Josh Gaddis at Alabama was a co-offensive coordinator. Like Schools do it. It happens. Um, but their current offensive coordinator, Steve Ensminger, I think his name is, um, he makes like eight hundred thousand. So you're gonna promote this kid to like one point five million, and your dude that you've had for a couple of years, you're like, yeah, 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 you're you're good, man. Um, but yeah, there like, he is. There, there's another article on the Athletic. If you guys don't subscribe to the Athletic, just buy it. It's a really great site for for all sports writing. Um, Bruce Feldman wrote an article about kind of his rise to success and and how he's been doing things, and they just talk so highly of this kid. Um, so he was at Penn State 2015-2016, apparently learned a ton from Joe Moorhead, I guess in that 2016 year, um, about RPOs and whatnot. Uh, then went to New Orleans, got to hang around Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton, uh, said he used to watch film with Sean Payton, and, and you know he, he started just building a catalog of film and things he would notice. Um, so I guess in 2018, uh, Coach O, Ed Orgeron, uh, brought in some uh, Saints coaches and Saints like staffers to talk to his team and, and his staff about like what they were doing in the NFL. Uh, you remember at the time the Saints, you know, have pretty electric offense, Breeze, Kamara, Michael Thomas, that whole thing. So he brought a bunch of people in and he asked them if they have someone that could teach them about RPOs. And the guy says, yeah, I know just the guy. And he brought in Joe Brady. Um, it's, it's crazy how much he credits Moorhead in this article, like how much he learned from Moorhead because you're just sitting there going... We had we had both of these guys on our staff. Like it's just it's kind of crazy. Um, but I guess he came in, you know, taught the coaches about things, and then like a year later, Coach O called and was like, "Hey, I want you." Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. Like he he is the candidate. He's absolutely the candidate. Um, I don't. I see don't think that. we're gonna get him. No. Thank, look at us. See, guys, this is this is co-host uh, unity right there. We just said that at the same time. I don't see it happening. Um, but let's go through this pros and cons. What are your, you kind of talked about some of your pros of, of, you know, what he could bring. What's your, any, any, any cons that you see to this hire? Um, very young and he's never been a play caller before. Yeah. That's, that's really it. Yeah. And I, I say these things to like talk myself, uh, talk myself out of it, <laughs> like make myself feel better if we don't get him. Uh, the only cons I really see is one, you're going to have to pay a shit ton of money. Like, and I, that's not even me saying like he'll demand it. It's just that's the market, right? Like if he's a smart person, which obviously he is, he's not going to take less money to come to Penn State when he has offers from LSU and Texas and any other big name program. That would just be silly. So you're going to have to pay big money. That's one because then that affects very likely the rest of the staff, right? If you're paying this guy this much, what does that do for Brent Pry? What does that do for some of your other, you know, incredible recruiting assistants? Um, that's tough. 
Two, he's never actually called plays, um, which I don't know how how LSU has been running it because the guy uh, Steve Enzinger, whatever his name is, uh, he's the he's the offensive coordinator, and and Joe Brady even gave him like shout outs at the the ceremony where he won. Um, I don't know if he calls him fully. I don't know if uh, Brady's kind of on the headset, you know, working with him. Maybe they do game plans beforehand. I have no idea. Um, but that's a way you could say, hey, he's never actually called him. We don't know. Uh, and then the last piece, I think, is like the whole Joe Burrow mystery, right? Like Joe Burrow kind of came out of nowhere this year, right? Like he, he was at Ohio State, transferred, um, and now he's the far and away favorite for the Heisman and probably the number one pick in the draft. So you kind of look at it and say, okay, did Joe Brady make Joe Burrow or is Joe Burrow just like a freak of nature and making all those coaches look really good? Like that's the devil's advocate way I think of of seeing it. Yeah, I mean you won't know until until we know, else, right? <laughs> until he doesn't have that guy. Um, but yeah, like it, the pros outweigh that. He is the hottest name in college football right now. He's a true rising star. Learned from Joe Mo and Sean Payton. He's turned this LSU offense around. You read about like some of the drills he's done with their wide receivers because apparently their wide receivers were trash last year. Not trash. It's LSU, but like. All for them. Awful problems with uh, with drops, all kinds of things. From what I was reading, he he. There's a video out there. He did a uh, a drill where they would have a door on the field. Quarterback would the door would be closed. Quarterback would throw the ball, and at the very last second, the door would open, and the receiver would have to catch it. Like, seems a very unnecessary way to like. You could just have him turn around. I don't know, but like, there like was the door. There were very unorthodox things that he was doing with. With the wide receivers and with, um, you know, with this offense that have gotten him this praise. Last piece I almost forgot about, only other con, we need a quarterback coach. Ricky Ronnie was offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. So if you bring Brady in, you now have a wide receivers coach. He, he doesn't have any experience coaching quarterbacks from what I've seen. Worked with quarterbacks at Penn State. Did he? Yeah. Shit, my bad. My bad, guys. Pacquiao, keeping me honest. Like I said, he worked with quarterbacks at Penn State. Um, Got all that knowledge of the RPO. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean maybe he could do it. Um, but yeah, if he if wide receivers is truly his expertise, what does that do for Jarrett Parker? What does that do for your whole offensive staff alignment? So I don't know, man. Um, I don't see it happening. Everyone, everyone's like retweeting his old Penn State tweets to like <laughs> drum up. I know. Drum up stuff like it's cool, it's exciting. I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I'd be I'd be very surprised if we do end up signing him as our OC. I would but be sure. It would be great. Yeah, and they they asked him at, at like the post game of uh, the SEC championship, like, oh, do you plan on being at LSU next year? And he said, absolutely. Um, of course, which, of course he said, that. of course you're going to say that. Like, <laughs> it's where you're currently employed. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty yeah. wide open. Pretty wide open right now. Got, got a lot of suitors. Like, no. Um, so there's a bunch of other candidates. Um, if you if you just Google this, like every every college football publication, every Penn State like fan blog has their list of names. Um, I'll read through these quickly. I don't know much about any of these guys, to be honest with there's you. There's some ones I've seen that I like. Um, so let me read through them, and then you can give your your thoughts on maybe some of the top guys. Um, Kirk Chiroka, Chiroka. I don't know how you say that. Minnesota's offensive coordinator slash QBs. Andrew Briner, Mississippi State. QBs and passing game coordinator, Sean Gleason, Oklahoma State, offensive coordinator and QBs, Phil Longo, UNC, offensive coordinator and QBs. You're going to see a trend here. K 
Kalen DeBoer, Indiana Offensive Coordinator, Brandon Streeter, Clemson QBs, Mike Yurkich, Ohio State Quarterbacks and Passing Game Coordinator, uh, Rhett Lashley, SMU Offensive Coordinator, Charlie Fry, Central Michigan Offensive Coordinator, Jeff Nixon, Baylor Co-Offensive Coordinator, James Perry, Brown Head Coach, and Warren Ruggiero, Wake Forest. Uh, this is largely stolen from 24-7 and some other just sports sites that I googled. Uh, these are not my own thoughts, and if you have listened to me ramble for the last 45 seconds, I appreciate you. Pat, thoughts on uh, on any of these guys? Um, I like, uh, I, I believe it's pronounced Soraka. I like it. Uh, at a, I'm, I'm guessing it's either Chiraca or Soraka. I trust you uh, in, that, a, in that. I trust the guy whose name is Calicchio to tell me how yeah. a guy with C's and a bunch of vowels is pronounced. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, the double C makes the hard C sound. Oh, okay. So okay. I, I know we've got that going. Nice. Um, I, I like that move. Uh, Minnesota's offense has been was tremendous this year, I thought. Uh, you saw how, how well he worked with Tanner Morgan, who, you know, is a talented guy, but there, you know, wasn't like some highly touted five-star quarterback recruit. And he lit us up and lit most of the big 10 up pretty mm-hmm. well. Um, what's his name from Oklahoma? Sean Gleason from Oklahoma state. I like that. That's a high powered offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a quarterback's coach has uh, experience calling plays. Same thing with the uh, similar to Soraka from the guy from Indiana. I forget his name. Yep. Again, that's a, you know, that's an offense that works with the limited amount of talent, and they put up some points this season. Uh, works with quarterbacks, calls plays. Uh, it checks off the boxes of things you want. Uh, and and a, especially in that game against us, you saw a guy who – that was an offense that lived off intermediate plays, man, that lived off consistency. Yeah. They gave us trouble because we couldn't get them to go three and out very often. Yeah. And then every once in a while they would hit a home run play. Uh, Charlie Fry, another good name, uh, anchored a you know big point offense out of the uh, Big Twelve, um, out of Central Michigan, and it, you know that that's a school that you know probably won't be super hard to drag him away from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also got to like uh, what's his name from UNC, Phil Longo. Yep. Um, you know, comes in with Mac Brown. If Mac Brown thinks high of you, I'm, I'm my opinion of you is also pretty high. Yeah, and you've seen they've taken UNC from what was like an abysmal program, what two years ago? Yeah, to go in bowl games, you gotta like that. Yeah, they turned them around pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton to say on these guys. Just again, and also all without their own players, with players from previous recruiting sure. class. Sure, that's impressive. Yeah, I think there was a tweet that, that shows you how like good that. the coaching is. Yeah, there was a tweet like that. It was like uh, <laughs> other coaches. These aren't my guys. I can't win with them. And then it was a picture of like Mac Brown smiling. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Kirk. Kirk, uh, how am I saying his name? Soraka. Soraka. We're yeah, with Soraka. Let's go with that. Kirk Soraka, I think is is, I think it would be a good hire. Franklin spoke very highly of him both before and after our game uh, with them. I'd, I'd be okay with it. I, the reason I maybe don't see it happening is if you're Kirk Soraka and you are under PJ Fleck at Minnesota on like a big time upward trajectory right now in the Big Ten West. You have an opportunity to stay there for a couple of years with PJ Fleck and like go to Big Ten championships, win the Big Ten, maybe like maybe not win the Big Ten, but like be the powerhouse in the West. You can kind of be big fish in a smaller pond. Whereas if you come over to Penn State, you know you're going to have those battles. Now, is Penn State a better program, better job? Of course. Um, so that would be cool, but that would be maybe my reason for him, maybe not one. Yeah, I mean, 
I think he'd make more money. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it's a different division, but still the same conference. Yeah. I don't think the pond is that much bigger or smaller. No, but Big Ten at East versus Big Ten West. I, yeah, it's harder. But like at the end of at the end of the day, like he's still in the Big Ten. Like he's yeah. If he's well, he's gonna have to beat Ohio State, Michigan, or else to win a Big Ten championship any given year. Fair, fair. Uh, Andrew Briner, who's at Mississippi State, he he was a guy who was rumored um, after Joe Mo left because he's a Joe Mo disciple. He was at Fordham with Joe Mo, has gone to Mississippi State with him. Um, that would be interesting. I don't know much about him. Mississippi State hasn't been great this year, so who knows? Uh, yeah, Sean Gleason gets a lot of play. Uh, the one that I see a lot of people talking about that I think is ridiculous is Mike Yurkich. Yer- uh, Ohio State's quarterbacks and passing game coordinator. Why the fuck would you leave Justin Fields and that arsenal of wide receivers to go to Penn State? A coordinator. I just I don't see it happening. Um, yeah, I mean your answer is right. That would be the reason you bump up. But like, I don't know. If, if I'm him, why would I leave? Why would I leave that situation? I don't know. Um, all of this to say, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Um, I don't think it's Joe Brady. It would be very cool if it was. That would be a really cool story, um, really exciting, really good for recruiting. I don't know if it's going to happen. So um, let's ask this question. Do you think it happens quickly or do you think uh, do you think this drags out? Uh, I think they got to get it done quickly, especially with recruiting. People are going to want to know who your offensive coordinator is. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. People don't seem to like sleep on the coaching carousel. It all happens real, real fast. It does. Like if you want your guy and he's a hot name for other – openings like you got to move quickly so i think i think we'll hear something by end of year um too um recruiting wise i don't think there's a risk for guys in our current class but you're always recruiting for next year so um a couple of twitter questions we already answered them but just give a shout out to these guys i'm sorry i skipped these uh chris lions 26 said his serious question because uh, it's a fun one we'll get to later his serious question was besides joe brady who are the best options for oc we just listed them thank you for your question chris and then Trenton Wright, whose Twitter name is at T Wright Idea. Get it? His last name is Wright, W R I G H T. Wright Idea. Very clever. Uh, Trenton Wright said, Sean Gleason, next offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know that he is, but he is a name that I've heard a lot and I like. And, and I think we both kind of answered that. So uh, thank you both for your questions. Appreciate you. Um, let's move on. Bowl game, final college football playoff ranking championship weekend has come and gone. Um, are those the only Twitter questions? Or are there more? No, we'll get to more. Those were just about okay, coaching. We're just saying, okay, those gotcha. were about coaching, gotcha. so I wanted to loop them in rather than rehash them later. Um, we'll definitely get to some more. Say, so, what are we just spurning our loyal followers like Sweet and Ham? No, we'll get to CJ Boone? CJ, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Actually, I don't know if I have one from CJ this time. Um, I'll take, actually, you know what? I think we got more today. I'll take a look at that. Okay. You know, it's all right. He has to take the week off. I understand. <laughs> we'll forgive you. Anyway. Uh, championship weekend has happened. The final college football playoff ranking is set. So let's start with this. Did the committee get the top four right in Pat Calicchio's eyes? Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Three undefeated teams and Oklahoma. Uh, like, I, I don't see how there could be a case for anyone else being in there. No. Uh, Utah losing made it really easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm and good with it. Utah played two top 25 teams all season, lost to them both. And one of them wasn't even close. Pretty okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Georgia, you know, lost to fucking South Carolina. And they got smashed and, by LSU in the conference. Yeah. And then, and then they get yeah, absolutely destroyed. Like, wasn't close at all. Yeah. So let's, I'm, let's go and there. Then, you know, are, you are you good with uh, LSU being one and Ohio State being two? Yeah, for that performance in the 
championship game, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think I think honestly, like no matter which way it went, you'd have people that like it and people that hate it. That's just the way we operate. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Ohio State's like a more. I get they've just seemed more dominant to me overall in the season, but I think LSU's resume is probably a little bit better. Yeah, and and I really do. I think, think you always go with too. resume over eye test. Yeah, and I, I think it came down to that bowl game too. Like, I mean, Georgia was number four, right? Um, yeah, and LSU smashed them. Um, and Ohio State, Ohio State looked bad for one half. They man. finally didn't look great and had to come from behind. You knew they were coming back and winning it, but I mean, that's what Wisconsin does in Big Ten championships. Not by enough. Wisconsin goes out to a big lead and loses. Um, not by enough is true. So this is the debate. Uh, we finish at number 10. We are heading to the Cotton Bowl, um, which is a New Year's Six Bowl, despite it being played on December 28th. I actually made that mistake myself when I first saw it. I thought it was like, shit, we're not in a New Year's Six. Um, but it is. I didn't realize it was played on December 28th. Yeah, so it's on December 28th, but it is part of the New Year's Six group of bowls. Strange, That's right? very strange. Yeah, so like the New Year's Six bowls are... Uh, Fiesta, Peach, Rose, Sugar, Cotton, and what am I missing? I don't know. Not the citrus, right? No. Um, shit. All right, we'll come back to that as we're as we're going through this. But the biggest thing for us um, was Ohio State did not beat Orange Wisconsin. Bowl. Orange, Orange Bowl. Bowl. You got it. Nice one. We knew we, we'd bring it around. Good circle gets the square. Point to Pat Calicchio. Um Biggest thing for us was Ohio State did not beat Wisconsin big enough for them to drop. They remained at number eight in the playoff, and they got the Rose Bowl, um, which is played on New Year's Day. What are your thoughts? Do you care? Do you not care? Where Where do you land um, on all this? I, honestly, the only reason I care was because I wanted to go to the game. The Rose Bowl. Oh, because, like, yes, you live in Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I live in L.A. Pasadena's a 20-minute drive, you know, an hour and a half with Rose Bowl traffic, I'm sure. But... Yeah, I mean, I just, I, that's the only reason I'm upset, was I wanted to go to that game. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, it's still a New Year's Six Bowl, as far as I'm concerned, just as prestigious. It is just as prestigious, and we haven't played in the Cotton Bowl in years. Um, I think it was like 40 something years. Um, so that's cool in that aspect. I think for me, um, my frustration with it is Rose Bowl versus Oregon is a much better way to end your season with a big win against a ranked team who just won their conference championship than Cotton Bowl against Memphis, where you're kind of in the same situation as Kentucky last year. If you win, cool. You were supposed to beat Memphis. If you lose, holy shit, you just lost to Memphis. Yeah, I understand that. So I would have preferred the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. There was a lot of tweets going around of the committee dropped Ohio State one point for winning their championship game, but kept Wisconsin exactly where they were for losing it. So like, and you put it that way, it's a little crazy. But. The only thing we know about the committee is they are wildly inconsistent, but it is what it is. Like we're going to the Cotton Bowl, um, but you're also comparing Ohio State to LSU, who dominated their conference championship oh, yeah. game, yeah, and Wisconsin to two teams that didn't play in one. So true, you know, not exactly apples to apples, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's I understand their decision. Um, Wisconsin played Ohio State to their second closest game all season. You know, closest behind us. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, Wisconsin came into that game ranked ahead of us, and I'm—I don't think it would be fair to punish them for playing well in an extra game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's okay. Yeah, if Ohio State did really dismantle them, then um, then maybe it would have been enough. But 
At the end my, of the- my, my thing was, I think, to, for us to have a shot, I thought Ohio State had to win by 20. For me to be comfortable with it, I thought they had to win by 30. Yeah, and they, and they didn't. And honestly, they did look a little exposed early on. Um, I don't know what that was for, but um, at the end of the day, I don't care. Like, we're, we're in a good bowl. Um, yes, for some reason, it's December 28th, but it's still in New Year's Six. Um, hopefully, we kick the shit out of Memphis and end the year on a high note. That's, that's sort of where we're at. Um, so let's tie in a couple, couple, a couple Twitter questions. I almost said a tuple quitter question. That's a mouthful. Couple of Twitter questions that uh, relate to this. Um, we did miss one on the offensive coordinator. My bad. Walk on redshirt said, "What would you do if Jim Bolman, the human walrus, was named OC?" Um, well, I don't know who that is. I actually, so, hand up. I didn't. Either. I would panic. I didn't know who he was either. So I had to look him up. Apparently, he was Ohio State's offensive coordinator from 2001 to 2011. He does, in fact, look like a walrus. I will give him that. And now he is currently Michigan State's O line coach. So okay. I do like walruses. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard but, pass on this one. If he was if he yeah. was actually a candidate, he would probably still be a big time offensive coordinator somewhere. Um, and I mean the, the memes <clears throat> and the pictures that would come out of that are are ridicule enough. So uh, walk on Richards, we appreciate your question. I do not want the human walrus. Uh, but bowl game questions. Uh, Shane Lunnan says, "Are you guys headed to Dallas for the bowl game?" Um, I am personally not, Pat. Nope. Ooh, nope. Uh, Shane, if you're going, um, rep us. I'll send you a bunch of business cards. You can hand them out. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting until Penn State comes out here for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. Like, that that would be super. I went to the Rose Bowl when I lived in NorCal. You live in SoCal. It would be so, so easy. Um, would have been nice. Yeah, I, I honestly, I would love to go to Dallas. I've been to the Cotton Bowl Stadium before when we played in the, I think it's a Ticket City Bowl. It was like the year, it was our senior, my senior year, 2012, yeah. so bowl game in 2013. Um, we played in the Ticket City Bowl. It was New Year's Day. I have a very funny story. That was the that. bowl right after we became bowl eligible again, right? Uh, I think it was the, no, it was the, it was the season where the sanctions were, uh, where the whole scandal had just happened. So we didn't, that was the last time okay, we had the sanctions. Okay, we hadn't had this yet. Okay. Yep. Uh, quick funny story. I won't tell the whole thing, but basically got way too drunk the night before because it was New Year's Eve. Had an early flight the next day to Dallas from New York. Don't remember my flight. The first thing I remember is waking up. I'm in an airplane seat, and I hear the person come on the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dallas, Texas. And I was just like, thank God I'm in the right place. Um, very funny story. You, never, you ever do that? You black out and you wake up in Dallas, Texas? I was supposed to be there, but still an interesting journey. Um, <laughs> all that being said, I will not be heading there. Uh, Cotton Bowl Stadium is cool. It's a cool stadium. Um, you know, Cotton Bowl is an iconic bowl game. Uh, Shane and anyone else, if you want to go, you should. Bowl games are awesome. Uh, and the tickets seem super cheap. Have you seen this? I, I saw tickets going for like $6. Yeah, there's screenshots. I mean, they're upper deck, but like 6 to $10. Um, somebody asked that question too. Do you think they put Penn State there over Wisconsin because they know Penn State travels better and the Cotton Bowl needs a bigger draw since it has Memphis in it, maybe. No, I, I doubt it. I think it was just, I think the Rose Bowl got first choice. Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. But let's let's tell ourselves that so we feel better. <laughs> um, uh, Sweens, Sween Eggs and Ham says, uh, thoughts on if KJ stays or goes. Also, any early feelings on the Cotton Bowl and Memphis matchup? Shane also said, uh, Shane Lund in Memphis has some offensive playmakers that can't be overlooked. How will the Lions... Maligned secondary holdups. Let's start with KJ. Um, 
Most other Penn Staters that we've been waiting on decisions of staying and going have made their announcement via that super cool graphic. KJ has not. Where does that leave you with your thought process? Makes me think he's going. Really? Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I think it makes it makes me feel like he's staying because I feel like if he was going, he would have done it already since everyone else is doing the announcement. I feel like if he was staying, he would have done it already. Okay. okay. No, this is good. This is good. We, we, have, we have vested interests on both sides now. Um, yeah, I, think, I think the hype train was coming in about guys staying right after Pat and then Michael Mennett. And I think KJ would have hopped on that if he was staying. Yeah, see, I saw once once Yitor put his out that he was going, I was waiting for it like the next day. I was like, all right, KJ is going to say it now because Yitor was I, – because I, I was with you for a bit. It was like – it was it was Fryermuth and Mennett, I think Will Fries. Uh, but once Yitor put out that he was leaving, I was like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. Here we go. And then it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. So, like, maybe he's waiting till after the bowl game. He just doesn't want to deal with that. Maybe he's going to play the bowl game and ride off into the sunset. Um but I don't know, man. I, I I said this on the last time. It wouldn't shock me if he's like a kind of guy who doesn't put out a big statement, doesn't put out a graphic. Like he dropped his highlight tape uh, like a couple days ago on Twitter, um, and I have tweet notifications on for him, and he retweets everybody uh, who who comments on his highlight tape. So I'm getting nonstop notifications, but like I don't want to turn him off because then I'll miss the announcement. Um, I don't know, man. Like I I almost see it as like. The bowl game is going to happen, and like someone will ask him in a post game, like, "So KJ, now that it's over, like, do you have a decision?" And he'll just be like, "Yeah, I'm staying. What's up? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. That's how I I, mean, that's- I I could see him being like, "Yeah, I didn't make a statement because I'm staying." Yeah, like there was no statement to be made. I'm here. I'm go. I'm going to ball out. Like, hey, sugar, you know, like maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, that's how I see it in my head. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe that's me I putting good vibes. Wishful. Maybe that's me putting good vibes into the universe. Um. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I think Pat coming back uh, maybe aids it a little bit, but like we've talked about, this is a life and business decision, and, and you got to support him no matter what happens. Uh, early feelings on the Cotton Bowl and Memphis matchup. I think we'll do a full preview probably next week or the week after, You know, do some research on this Memphis team. Um, but any, any initial thoughts on, on the game and the matchup? Yeah, I mean, this is a game that makes me a little nervous just because we don't know how good Memphis is. This is the game that reminds me of the Minnesota game. Team that's mm. like crushed competition, um, has beaten a good Cincinnati team twice, but hasn't played anyone really, really good. Then they've got some very good offensive players. Yeah. We don't know. Like it's, it's hard to judge just how good everyone is because they haven't played the schedule that we have. Yeah. But I um, think they're good, but like, I, so I like, it comes down to, all right, are they doing this because of the competition they're playing, or are they doing it because they're good? We'll find yeah. out. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think that's a fair comparison. I mentioned it just a little bit earlier. For me, I think I compared a little bit more to Kentucky last year, where it's like... Also similar. You know, we, we didn't, you know... Um, what bowl were we in last year with Kentucky? Citrus. Citrus, right? Where it's like, all right, we didn't quite get the bowl we wanted, so like morale's maybe a little bit down, versus this is like huge for them. And they're ready to fucking run through a brick wall. Like it's a lose lose, right? You win, you're supposed to win. You lose, you're like, oh shit. Um, their head coach uh, has left to be Florida State's head coach, Mike Norville, I think it is. Um, so he won't be coaching in this bowl game. And I think that goes one of two ways, either, right? It's like uh, it's like the uh, uh, the Fresh Prince scene when uh, when Will um, 
when his dad leaves and he goes on yeah. the whole rant Uncle to Uncle Phil. Saddest scene of all time, right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Me, man. Yeah, so it, it's one of those two. It's either the very end of like, why don't he want me? And they're crying and they lose. Or it's the, I went through college without him. I'm going to get married without him. I'm going to do this without him. Like, I don't know. It's going to be one of those two things. Except he didn't go through college without him. In fact, they went through college with him. <laughs> all right, that was, that was a bad, bad example. <laughs> but you know what I'm going for, right? It's either like, hey, you know, we love him, but he's gone now. This is our time. We're going to do it without him. Or like, I can't see it having a positive impact. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, long way of saying I have no idea. I really don't. Um, but we'll do some research. We'll dig into it. We'll do an actual game preview uh, over the next week or two. Um, but it's exciting, man. It's a bowl game. Um, we do have one more Twitter question from CJ. Thought he missed a week, but he got there today. Uh, sorry that we've kind of answered these already. He said, ideal trades for offensive coordinator. Wish list of wants for the offense next season. Kind of answered that already, but but someone who can you know bring in explosiveness, manage a game, not just rely on the explosives, and, and lock down top offensive recruits that's for me yeah that's pretty good i'd I'd like to see a consistent second and third option at wide receiver you know i don't i don't need guys who are you know putting up thousand yard seasons but guys who can get you know catches in big moments you know guys who can consistently get like five catches and near you know over 50 yards a game yeah as our second and third option yeah i love it uh, and then he said, a portion of our fan base are assholes for gleefully wishing Ricky out. Thought we needed an upgrade, but he was not terrible. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too. No, I, <laughs> I completely agree. Of Penn State fans think he yes. Yeah. As negative as I've been, I've never once said like, fuck this guy, suck it, get out of here. Like, I think I've been maybe a little bit more tactful in, in my uh, pining for him to be out. Um, but like I said, I truly do wish him the best. And I think this is, this is, uh, you know, the best fit for both. Um, did you see the Onward State article about this? No. Oh, about people celebrating? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I so do. I don't I don't follow Onward State anymore because they've pissed me off. Like, they are very clickbaity. I don't, like, it's student run, I think, they're the writers. So, like, you don't, you shouldn't have high hopes for it, but I don't think their writing is particularly good. Um, and this one was basically an article of just links of tweets of people celebrating Ricky Ronnie leaving. And, like, they got dunked on, man. Literally everyone was responding like, this is awful. You shouldn't have written this. Terrible journalism. Do better. Trace Trace wrote, Trace wrote, uh, it was like uh, clickbait joke show, do better. Like they had players calling them out. Um, but Trace did say do better, please. Trace is a gentleman, of course. He put the please in there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was just unnecessary. CJ, we completely agree with you. Um. All right, that's it for Twitter questions. Let's get some quick hitters. End of the show, quick hitters. They'll actually be quick this time. Um, first and foremost, our guy Micah Parsons, unfortunately, does not win the Butkus Award given to the best linebacker in the nation. Instead, it went to Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, who is a projected top 10 to 15 pick in this year's NFL draft. Um, hand up. I didn't really know much about him before reading into this, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, get recognized basically as the second best linebacker in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, as a sophomore. Yeah. True sophomore. True sophomore, new to the position, won the Big Ten Award, a finalist for the National Award. I mean, you have to be happy with that. And I, like, the thing is, awards like this, especially when it comes to college where guys play in different conferences, so unbelievably subjective. I don't think you can ever really get, like, 
overly upset about these kinds of awards. Like at the end of the day, the only award that matters in sports is winning and losing. Yeah. Like the points, the points on the board when, when you're on the field. Yep. Those are the only things that like, you know, barring incredibly awful calls by referees are undisputedly that's what you that's what sports are about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with that. Um, but let's celebrate one who did win an award. Uh, Blake Gilligan selected to the first team academic all America for the second year in a row. Not only does he have a big leg, but he's got a big brain. Here's the thing about sports. It's all about the awards and postseason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Haven't you been listening? You really want you guys to be recognized <laughs> on and off the field. Um, I don't care how subjective these things are. <laughs> well, listen, you I want say, individual achievement. I will say this one is is a bit more objective. Uh, dude's got a 4.0, right? Like yeah. That numbers don't lie. And you know what? I'll say this, too. For being an academic All-America punter, punters are nerds. And he's the smartest of the nerds. Good for him. To your point. Good for him. Uh, up next, Jair Brown, who is a commit in this 2020 class, currently playing at Lackawanna, Juco, um, where we've gotten a couple other guys from the last years, Jaquan Brisker. Uh, he's a defensive back named a Juco All-American. I like that sign. You know, we need uh, some upgrade performance in the defensive backfield. Uh, we've got John Reed leaving us. I, I like the sign of a guy coming in like this who, uh, you know, I, I get it's JUCO, but you know, proven performance is, is always big. Yeah, and I mean, JUCO JUCO's hit or miss, but we've seen some decent uh, production, especially out of Lackawanna. Brisker played yeah, meaningful minutes. Brisker. He's played meaningful minutes. Uh, Paris Palmer a couple of years ago came in and was like our starting left tackle for a while. Um, Anthony Wigan was JUCO coming in this year. While he didn't really play the, much this year, he projects to be a strong piece of our offensive line next year. Um, it, I think it's 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 hit or miss, but we've seen some good success. So very excited, uh, Jair Brown. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, NFL, uh, NFL this week, Penn Staters. Big week for Penn State kickers in the NFL. Uh, Robbie Gould and our guy Sam Ficken of your New York Jets both hit walk-offs to win the game for their respective teams. Pretty cool. Yeah, very proud. Very proud, boys. Yeah, I will say, though, uh, Robbie Gould's. 30-yarder, Sam Ficken, 44. Sam Ficken, arguably better. Um, <laughs> that's being dumb. <laughs> anyway, very cool for both of them. Uh, Allen Robinson had two touchdowns. That was cool. Adrian Amos had an interception off of Dwayne Haskins. You'll love to see that. Um, and then Saquon and Miles went head-to-head on Monday night, both wearing number 26. Um, they'd swapped jerseys after the game. Not, I don't think either of them had a, an exceptional game. That game was miserable to watch i don't know why i stayed up for the whole damn thing um but it was really cool they swapped jerseys um you know you saw them uh hyping that up pretty much all night on monday night football talking about how they were teammates to nfc east rivals so pretty cool yeah i uh, do so that offensive uh, giants offensive line is just killing saquon man. dude it is so bad like i haven't watched a ton of giants games like start to finish my roommate's a huge diehard giants fan and with monday night games so of course i watched he gets hit like as soon as he gets handed off the ball. I'm like, that's not an exaggeration. It's like ball in his hand, he is getting hit. He's got the worst, I'm fairly certain, the worst average yards before contact in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, how can you? Like, it's not, and like, there are times where he dances around a little bit too much. We saw it at Penn State, we saw it last year, but you take that because it balances out with the explosive home runs that he ends up hitting. Um, also, it usually works pretty well. Yeah, yeah. 
But like, what my point is like, okay, if, if he loses four yards on one carry for trying to do too much, you're like, eh, that's fine. He'll make it up with a 65 yard or later. Exactly. Like he's not even having the chance to do that this year. Cause like any try to juking he does is because he's already getting hit. So Saquon, um, we love you. We hope, we hope. You know how bad you have to be as an offensive line to bottle up a guy like that. It's unreal, man. Unreal. Um, but Miles is still doing good things. He is actually about to break the Eagles rookie record for most all-purpose yards. He has like 980-something, and Deshaun Jackson set it back in, I don't know, 08 or 09, whenever he came in with just over 1,000. So Miles should break that record, which is pretty cool to see. Okay. He's quietly having a great rookie season. He really is. He really is. He's doing a lot of good things for them, and I think he'll be. I know I say that every week, but still. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Listen, there's new listeners. They got to hear our. They got to hear our uh, taglines. Um, last quick hitter for me is the student section of the year. Taco Bell Live Moss student section of the year will be presented on Thursday night. So we are recording this Wednesday night. By the time you're listening to this, it's either about to happen or it's already happened. So. Pat, should we should we be the first just to congratulate them? I'd like to preemptively congratulate Nittanyville on winning the award, or accuse Taco Bell of grand collusion against Penn State. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a little time travel right now. Pretend it's already happened. Nittanyville, congratulations! You guys have won your first ever student section of the year award. You were robbed last year. You won the no names all game one. Ours will go out Friday. We're a little bit more uh, prestigious, so we got to let Taco Bell go first. Uh, but congratulations, I went in the Taco Bell one. You guys are amazing. We'll have you back on here to talk after the celebration. But uh, go tear up Atlanta tonight. Enjoy. So proud of you guys. You've earned it. I mean, can't first first student section to ever win on the road, forcing timeouts before the game even starts. I mean, the list of accomplishments goes on and on. Yeah, there's no chance they don't win. Like, I mean, if they if they if they honestly. They if they don't win, then it is collusion, 100%. Collusion, um, the Russians, the Clintons, they were all involved. <laughs> you think you can bet on this? If, if, you can, if you can gamble on this, I would lay 100 bucks on it. Like, why not? They're going to win. Look it um, up. Take it I out will. of our account. <laughs> I will. I'll look it up. But yeah, we, we lost our Big Ten championship bet, so we got to win something. <laughs> we should have uh, bet the over under on our wins. Seriously. Um, whatever. Here nor there. Shout out to Nittanyville. You guys are great. Uh, and then, Pat, what do we got in the wrestling world? Uh, so Penn State, uh, rebounding after a tough loss against Arizona State, came out and took care of business against Penn, winning thirty-three to seven. Some of the I won't go through a match, you know, bout for bout, just because you know that, that gets a little a little tiresome. Yeah, uh, but we did see uh, some BJC debuts at one twenty-five for Brandon Meredith, uh, wrestled instead of Brody Teske. Um, he actually beat number 10 in the country, Michael, I should pronounce the, be able to pronounce this guy's last name. So it looks exactly like mine. <laughs> uh, Colloquio, it looks like no. eight to five, uh, like great Pinocchio. win for Brandon Meredith starting off a, what hopefully is a great career, uh, and could be like the answer for, at 125 that Penn state hasn't had since one year of Nick Soriano. And before that with, uh, Nico Megaludis, all time great. Great. Um, yeah. Oh, Nico's the man. He, we're big fans of Nico here at the, uh, the No Names All Game podcast. Uh, we still haven't seen uh, Brady Berge wrestle at 157 this season. He was our 149-pounder last season, bumped up to 57, had some injury issues. We haven't seen him yet, 
But my guess is by the time we start getting into like the Big Ten schedule, he'll be coming around. Um, we burned red shirt, shirt for uh, freshman Aaron Brooks at 184. This means one of two things. Either Shakur Rashid is not coming back from injury uh, last season, or one of the two, either Brooks or uh, Shakur, are going to bump up to 197, take Kyle Cannell's spot. Uh, he transferred in this offseason, uh, had missed all of last season with an injury at Kent State. The year before that, took third at Nationals, and he just he hasn't looked good this season. Uh, I don't know if it's been injuries. He's rusty from not being on the mat, but like he just does, hasn't looked good all season. Started, I think, ranked number two or three in the weight class and is already down to number 20. I think he's taken two or three losses. It's been a tough season for him. But my guess, it's either going to be Brooks bumping up, uh, Shakur Rashid, if he's healthy, bumping up, or we'll be burning a red shirt for freshman, um, I forget the kid's name, his last name, Beard, uh, who's supposed to be like a freshman phenom if he comes out. So it's been an interesting – Penn State wrestling does this thing where we don't start off super hot. It happens every season under Kale. Um, we're, even when we're winning, we're not winning like we're supposed to. Yeah, um, not dominating the way we're supposed to. And you, so don't don't hit the panic button yet. This is typical Penn State beginning of the season stuff. Uh, Penn State peaks in March, man. Okay, all the day. That's why we always win the tournament. We're always the best in March. Cale uh, nice. knows how to get his guys ready for tournaments. Knows how to get his guys ready for you know particular opponents. Uh, the big worry this season is going to be Iowa. Iowa's got a tremendous lineup, and I think one that is a tough matchup, weight for weight, with Penn State. But we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Penn State peaks in March. I peaked in high school. It's all good. Um, panic meter zero to ten. Where are you at? Um, well, what uh, what would constitute panic? Us not winning a national championship? Yeah. Uh, six. Whoa, that's high. I was expecting like a three. Okay, folks. I mean, in terms of having like a great season, uh, you know, a, a two or a one. Yeah, I think. Well, how many chances that championships we, have we won in a row? Uh, we we won seven out of the last eight. Okay. All right. So yeah, we we need to win one. So I'm, like, I'm I, I think there's there's no shot. We like I, I'll put it this way: panic meter of us finishing below third in the country is like a one or a two. Okay. All right, I feel good about that. Not winning the national championship, I'd put it at like a six. All right, I don't like that, but I trust you. You are the expert. That was uh, Pat's Wrestling Corner. We got. Did we ever come up with a name on that? I forget. I don't know. It, if you guys have a good name for uh, Pat's Wrestling segment, tweet it to us. Um, totally forgot the recruiting segment. Uh, I will keep this real short. Theo Johnson, top tight end. Um, well, top player in Canada, number three tight end in the country, committed to Penn State. Number one tight end in the country. What's that? It's the number one tight end in the country. Yes, if the, if country. the country you're speaking of is Canada. Yes. Good call. Um, we'll do a whole recruiting rundown in the next episode because there's some things I definitely want to talk about. Uh, signing day quickly approaching, so we'll talk about that next episode. Um, but, yeah, very exciting things. Franklin, here to stay. Ricky Ronnie moving on. We're getting a new offensive coordinator. We're going to the Cotton Bowl. Things are okay in Penn State land right now, so thank you guys for listening as always. Um, Tweet at us. Let us know what you want to hear. Drop those five-star reviews on iTunes. They help. Please, I hate that I'm saying that. I never wanted to be one of those guys. 
but it would be awesome if you could do it. Um, and yeah, let us know what you want to hear in the next episode. We'll do bowl preview. We'll do some recruiting stuff. If there's any other topics you guys have, let us know. And uh, with that, Pat, any last words? Thanks for coming in. That's it. Joe Brady, Joe Brady, Joe Brady, Joe Brady, Joe Brady. We are. <laughs>